Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Was it just another Manic Monday? That's what I want to know. And also, did you survive your Manic Monday? I know it was a holiday Monday for a lot of people. In fact, I was kind of surprised at how many people had the holiday or took the holiday. And uh, the fact that it, it seemed like a normal Monday to me until I get out on the roads. And uh, I I will take the easier commute home on Monday morning, uh, but also much lighter coming into uh, New York City and CBS Sports Radio headquarters this evening. And again, not complaining. That is just fine with me. But now another holiday is behind us. And after talking to family members and friends who had Monday off, I'm done being jealous uh, and can now move forward into the rest of the week. So if you had the time off, awesome. I'm I'm done being envious of you. It was a busy Monday, actually, between the Daytona 500, which ran starting on Monday afternoon uh, and was the first race at Daytona on this Monday as opposed to being the second. There was yet more rain on Monday morning in the area, so they had to wait and move the Xfinity race until after Daytona. That just wrapped up a couple hours ago, and for that reason, our friend Bob Pockrass will join us at the top of next hour, so about an hour from now from Daytona, where he's still working in the wake of what was a double-decker Monday, if you will. And because this was the first cup race of the season, we'll ask him about the various storylines heading into this year. Uh, but a a big day for Hendrick Motorsports, for those of you are who are longtime fans of NASCAR, who know Rick Hendrick as one of the grandfathers of the sport, but also as the guy who launched the careers of Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson and has got a long history, long tenure, long history, very successful history in NASCAR, but had it won at Daytona in a decade. So congratulations to him and to William Byron, whose story is unique. When I tell you he's unlike uh, any other 
NASCAR driver, your traditional NASCAR driver. Uh, We'll explain when we talk to Bob coming up at the top of next hour. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Thanks so much for all of your tweets, your Facebook messages uh, on Twitter, A-Law Radio, and also on our Facebook page named after the show, our YouTube channel as well. A lot of you reacting to my post about Sabrina Ionescu and and Steph Curry over the weekend at the All-Star festivities, and I just am still so impressed by how she handled herself and the stage and the pressure again not unfamiliar for her as what I said on our last show if you thought she was going to crack under the pressure you just don't know Sabrina Uh, but in going back and thinking about her comments after uh, she and Steph had gone through their mini duel uh, I love again what she said in taking gender out of it if you can shoot you can shoot That's it. It doesn't matter if you're a boy, girl, man, woman. If you can shoot, you can shoot. And I just kept thinking about how that wisdom would have been so helpful for me (laughs) when I was coming up in a business. Now, this is quite a while ago, you know, 25 years ago, when I was coming up in sports radio, and it was a path that didn't include any females who had walked it before or who were available for me to talk to about it. And the wisdom that Sabrina has now. I think it's much more common at this point uh, where what were typically male avenues or male walks of life or male industries um, no longer. And sports is more and more opened for women to succeed at the same level or a similar level, uh, getting more and more of the coverage and certainly more and more of the fan bases Uh, are made up of women. That includes football. It includes uh, the other sports as well. And so I just think, you know what? Same thing. If you can talk about sports intelligently and entertain your audiences, who cares whether you're male or female? So thank you, Sabrina, for that wisdom. Uh, That was It was good for me to hear it and to think about it from my own perspective. Uh, So a lot of you responding to that post on both Twitter and Facebook. Others of you asking about Penny, I'll have to to let you know about Penn as we head through this edition of the show. Uh, But our phone number is 855-212-4227. That's 855-212-4CBS. We'll have a little bit from baseball and spring training as it unfolds in both Florida and Arizona. And that includes Shohei Otani taking live BP and also Mike Trout. It's weird. Honestly, it was weird for me. I won't put words in your mouth. But it was weird for me when I saw Mike Trout speaking on Monday. And I thought, wow. Even though we had Mike Trout before we had Shohei Otani. So even though Mike Trout was there with the Angels and had that massive contract extension that he signed before Otani came on the scene. The last couple years, it's been Trout and Otani. And it's been the two of them together. And, of course, Mike has dealt with more and more injuries that have taken him out for longer periods of time. But the idea was those two guys with the Angels, keep the group together, keep those guys together. And I know uh, it's, again, it's just a smaller sample size. But as I was thinking about Mike Trout, my thought was he got left behind. 
Otani moved on to the Dodgers, moved on to a place where he felt like he had a better opportunity to win because as Otani has told us, mostly over the last couple of years, as this idea of contract and whether or not he would stay with the Angels uh, became front and center and more prevalent, what he told us repeatedly is that he wanted to win. And the Angels tried, I guess. They gave it the old college try. They tried to put pieces around him. They tried to make a bold move at the trade deadline last year so that they could bring in some pieces that they thought might give a better shot, not just in the AL West, but in the American League overall. Remember, they had made kind of a mini push, I guess, coming right out of the All-Star break. So they go ahead and they make these moves at the trade deadline, which blow up in their face royally. And Mike Trout, even when he was healthy, finally, there was no point in him coming back. And so Otani ends up leaving, going cross town. And now the Angels are back to Mike Trout. That's their their marquee piece, their marquee draw. And I'm not saying he isn't worth it. Only that he has been through so many injuries now that I think you could probably class him, uh, classify him as somewhat unreliable to be able to sustain, uh, sustain, excuse me, withstand the 162 game rigor, all the travel, the long hours. You may not think that baseball is a sport that demands a whole lot physically, and it's not a contact sport, or not supposed to be. But it does demand long hours and a lot of travel. And the 162-game slate, I mean, it's nearly double what you get in hoops and hockey, right? And so I I do think that with Mike Trout, there's got to be some trepidation about him into another season. And what do the Angels do? And you may remember there was even some talk about the Angels trading him away, or at least encouragement from industry experts and analysts who thought it might be better for the Angels to just go ahead and let him go since, of course, Otani is not going to resign there. Now, the Angels were still holding out hope that he would, until the end, and he kept his cards really close to the vest. He did. So we really didn't know for sure what he would do until the announcement was made by his camp. And now the Angels are back to Mike Trout. And Anthony Rendon, who A, is never healthy. Forget Mike Trout and his health history. Anthony Rendon, I feel like he's played five games in the last three years. But he's not healthy, and he's mostly made his waves this offseason by talking about how the A, schedule should be shorter, and B, how baseball's not really his top priority. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what fans want to hear, even if it's true. Did your mom ever tell you, Anthony? Tony, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. If you can't be productive, and if your, your mouth is going to get you in trouble, just keep it zipped. Zipper emoji over the mouth. But that's not Rendon. And so, man, talk about a dud start to the season for the Angels. 
where they're almost, I don't want to say back to square one because Mike Trout is a five-tool player, but the buzz gone from the Angels. Because with Mike Trout, even before Otani, they haven't made the playoffs since 2014. It's been a decade now. We've seen Mike Trout in, are you ready? One, two, three playoff games in his entire career. 2014, that's it. But that's where the Angels have returned to the land of irrelevant, which I maintain is far worse than being a loser or a team that's competing for, say, the top draft pick. I've always said in professional sports, being irrelevant with no one talking about you is a far worse fate. And that's where the Angels find themselves Yet again, even with Mike Trout. Because they added Otani, there was the buzz, there was the excitement, certainly there were the ticket sales, the the worldwide and global interest. Now that he's with the Dodgers, all of that goes with him, as if the Dodgers needed it. They really didn't. But to add to the mix, Otani just opens up different kind of doors. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. Juan Soto making his debut with the New York Yankees as well. And I had the chance. Well, I took the chance. I actually told Ryan as well. So we both did our homework. Wanted to go through the Super Bowl edition of Miked Up from NFL Films. And so, and this is actually something my husband was interested in too. So after dinner, we sat down on the couch and we watched the entire thing from start to finish. It had aired on CW and then they re-aired it. If you haven't seen it, I'm sure it's on YouTube. Although Ryan and I were comparing notes and we found out the same version is not aired in both places. So on CW, it was one version and then on YouTube, it was a different version. They cut out a couple things. I wonder why. Curse words. Oh, well, those are always cut out on yeah. CW. The curses were gone, like not in it, but like there was certain... Things where, I, like, when you would look it up on Twitter and stuff, there was, like, uncensored versions, oh, I guess, from HBO, wherever they chose. Gotcha. Okay. Here's what I was, I don't want to say annoyed necessarily, but I it did warrant a few eye rolls. After all the talk about that confrontation or the, uh, the near collision, well, it was a collision, uh, the near catastrophic collision between Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid had his coach fallen over. It would have been so much worse. But after all the talk about Kelsey running into Andy Reid and his anger and yelling in his face and his coach losing his balance, after all of that, and of course they win and they make up afterwards, blah, blah, blah. It's not in the mic'd up edition on of inside the NFL. I couldn't believe it. Are you kidding me? It's probably the most highest, well, it's the highest profile moment, the most talked about moment other than the meet Cole Hardman walk-off touchdown, and it's not in the the special. That's just wrong. I think they realized it wasn't that important. I guess I guess it happens all the time. Okay, but even so, that's what fans wanted to see and hear. You know that. Even if it happens all the time. It would have been a six-second clip of just bleeping. True. Maybe that was it. Still, uh, according to Travis on his New Heights podcast, 
Andy tracked him down a couple minutes later and says, you know, there's cameras on me all the time. There's cameras on me all the time. That's according to Travis. Okay, so Travis told that story on his podcast. So if that's what Andy Reid said, why not have it in there, right? Why not have that kind of make up and make good and, hey, I lost my balance or, hey, whatever it is that was said. You're right. It probably would be bleeped out. But I feel like it was a disservice maybe for, because I think that's what fans most wanted to see. There was, other than maybe Travis and Taylor on the field after, which at least the CW version did not include. I did not see their embrace, their hug and their kiss on the field. I didn't see any really of the family reunions. Maybe they cut it out for time. I did see Patrick Mahomes. This is on the CW version. Patrick Mahomes with his family on the field after. He and Andy Reid. I saw Kelsey and Reid. And Reid's wife, of course, was there. And, and there was one shot of Taylor on the field when Kelsey was up on the stage, but really weren't a whole lot of the families getting together for the first time after the Super Bowl had been won. Which is weird because I saw a clip on, I think it was like Good Morning America or something like that, where Kelsey is mic'd up talking to Taylor Swift, who seemed mic'd up as well, which huh. is a little weird. That is weird. So There's I, no way. That there, had to be there, caught on Kelsey's caught mic. On Kelsey's, yeah. But it was like, it was pretty crystal crystal clear audio so mm. i was a little confused about it i wonder if because it went into overtime they had less time but you would think if it was important they could have taken audio out of another stretch uh, they did have her chugging a beer Th- they definitely had that in the had cw yeah <laughs> sub in the cw version they had plenty of time for that so if you haven't seen mic'd up we've pulled a couple moments and there were certainly some moments on the field, on the sidelines that I didn't know about, there were some reactions that I hadn't heard about, uh, like when Dre Greenlaw tore his Achilles trying to run off the sidelines. Oh, the reaction to that was, it was powerful. It was really emotional uh, on the Niners' sidelines. But they also saw it on the Chiefs' sideline. So, yeah, I dig these things big time. I'm so into the mic'd up edition uh, to see it at field level and then to hear what the athletes and coaches are saying. Uh, so I really enjoyed it. And we'll have uh, a couple of those interactions, but also uh, just kind of fun to talk about our observations, which is why I told Ryan, this is the homework for Monday night. So find us on Twitter, A-Law Radio. If you watched it, I'd love to hear your reaction too. And on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence, coming up, it, of course, featured some classic elements at Daytona, like the big one with nine laps to go, as well as a Hendrick win. But this is not your typical Daytona 500 champion. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence this Monday night here on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. And the Daytona 500 goes to victory lane. William Byron from Charlotte, North Carolina. Rudy Fugel, his crew chief. I'm just a kid from <laughs> racing on computers and uh, winning the Daytona 500. I can't believe it. I wish my dad was here. He's sick, but this is for him, man. We've uh, we've been through so much, and we sat up in the grandstands together and, and watched the race. This is so freaking cool. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. 
Uh, yeah, you definitely heard him correctly. William Byron used to race on computers. <laughs> it was a video game for him. That's how he was bit by the racing bug, and he made his way through the ranks very quickly. He's only 26 years old, but he drives for the iconic Hendrick Motorsports, home previously of Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson as drivers. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. was there as well, and here is Byron uh, who brings Hendrick and that team, that franchise, its first Daytona 500 win in a decade. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. The call's there from Daytona on Fox Sports. Now, we will talk to Fox Sports racing insider Bob Pockrass in 35 minutes at the top of next hour. But for William Byron, uh, as you hear him talk about, his path is completely atypical. Uh, and yet, more and more, because of the advent of video games that are so high-tech, as well as esports and really just a generation that's grown up on devices and iPads and uh, whatever else, laptops. I mean, my kids say to me on Sunday mornings at church, um, when you ask them, hey, what would you do if you had no restrictions on your time? What would you do today if you didn't have, you know, any homework, you didn't have uh, any chores to do? And a lot of them will respond with their PlayStations or their Xboxes or their various joysticks or devices. And so this is the generation that Byron is a part of at 26 years old, really does represent the next generation of NASCAR, but how healthy is the sport too? Uh, since I went to my first race at 12 years old, so I've I've told this story before, my first ever race was at Pocono in Pennsylvania, is a super speedway, and because we camped in our trailer in the infield, uh, my mom was walking my brother and I through the infield with her hands over our eyes because she didn't want us to see what was going on. So just general debauchery, uh, like people drinking a lot and, and making fools of themselves. Anyway, we went when I was 12 years old, and then we had season tickets for both Pocono and Talladega, as well as going to other races uh, over the course of, of my young adulthood and then even on into my adulthood. Uh, I actually worked for both the New Hampshire track, which is Loudoun International Speedway, and then also for Phoenix. I did some work for Phoenix as well. Um, and so my my love for NASCAR has, has gone through multiple iterations, excuse me, from childhood when I was a huge fan and I loved Dale Earnhardt um, to then kind of working in the sport a little bit and seeing it from a different perspective to then becoming uh, a, a talk show host trying to make it relevant for an audience, but recognizing that I still talk far more NASCAR than the majority of people uh, on sports radio. It's changed so much. The sport has changed so much. At times, I think NASCAR can't get out of its own way with some of the various tweaks to their playoff system. How do you get there? Who wins? I mean, the, even the playoffs are a relatively new phenomenon now. Uh, they didn't have playoffs when I was growing up in the sport. And NASCAR took a major hit with some of the financial challenges in our country. So the economy and the downturn going back to, say, 2008-9, um, the sport's really expensive. And it became difficult to find sponsors who 
if you weren't a winning team and had a winning tradition or at least big names behind you, who would pour the millions of dollars into your cars to sponsor a team? Um, and then it became a team sport where you had four and five cars that were associated uh, uh, with, you know, one major team, each of the major teams, and they would work together. So teamwork became a different thing. And uh, just the the changes in the broadcast and, and certainly the ratings, it believe it or not, used to be the number two spectator sport in the country in terms of viewership and TV ratings, but has fallen way back. Um, and they're trying to make it relevant. They're trying to keep it relevant. But with a lot of the big name drivers retiring and a bunch of a bunch of the champions that were household names like Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Jeff Gordon, some of the others, uh, Tony Stewart, getting into different aspects of racing, it really has kind of seen the interest wane. Uh, and they're trying to attract a newer generation of drivers. So Bubba Wallace kind of represents a new generation and more diversity, and that's something that NASCAR is after. But they have to change their reputation. And to that end, they're adding more of these road courses that are different than your your typical super speedways. Chicago last year was a big coup for them uh, to close down parts of the city and to be able to race cars through it. They ended up with a ton of rain, which kind of dampened, uh, dampened, well, dampened literally, but also figuratively dampened the enthusiasm. And so NASCAR, I still think, is a transition, in a transition uh, for a lot of different reasons, economic and uh, social, as well as just name recognition and the popularity of the sport. Um, and they need a couple superstars. That's what they need, superstars that are out there front and center and can be ambassadors for the sport as well. So a lot of challenges for it. Uh, but William Byron maybe is a champion that people can identify with because he's got his start with the video games. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, the the big one is a term even guys guys and gals who are not diehard fans know uh, restrictor plate racing, the super speedways where they actually have a part on the car that keeps them from going 220 miles per hour because it gets to be dangerous. Instead, uh, they try to limit them. So these restrictor plates, which means that a lot of the cars are bunched up and you get later in the race and guys get antsy and guys are jockeying for position and they're they're literally touching. The cars are touching. It's called bump drafting and it's dangerous. And there's been pushes to, t- to try to um, outlaw it in the sport so that the guys can't do it. Uh, for instance, you can't do it in Indy cars because... Those cars can't touch. But in NASCAR, they've, you know, they work really hard at this bump drafting. And sometimes in the impatience of the late stages and how tight the cars are, whether it's two and three wide racing at 180 miles per hour, uh, well, then you end up with these massive wrecks. And there was one late at Daytona that took out a lot of the big names. Um, Let's see, Denny Hamlin, Joey Logano, he'd, uh, he'd been right there in the mix, and, and those guys have been leading a bunch of the laps. And also Brad Keselowski, who's another one of the veterans who's made it his goal to try to win the Daytona 500. So it's pretty crazy, uh, but really neat, though, for William Byron and just the fact that uh, he was able to do it on what was the 40th anniversary of Hendrick's first ever victory in cup racing. Just so proud of this team. Paul Exalta team, uh, 40th anniversary to the day on Monday. So just um, extremely blessed and thankful 
for all the opportunities and um, yeah, we just want to keep it going. We have a lot to prove this year and uh, this is a good start, obviously. And Daytona 500, it's freaking awesome. Let's go. <laughs> That's William Byron on Fox Sports. You can hear not just the fireworks going off in the background, uh, but still he's out there on the track or maybe in victory lane when he was doing that interview. And yeah, it's quite a scene. Uh, I, myself, I've never been to Daytona. I've been to other super speedways. Uh, I've been to a lot of different tracks. Daytona's on the bucket list, but this is becoming a common thing every year now where they're dealing with the rain and it was a, a washout of a weekend where they really couldn't get a lot done and because of that, they wiped out final practices. They moved the 500. Uh, they ended up having a race after the 500. Um, so it was hard to tell exactly how full the stands were on TV. It looked like they were missing a fair number of fans, which makes sense uh, once it pushed to a Monday. I don't know how the ratings will end up uh, being affected, but I can imagine they'll be they'll be a lot less uh, in terms of the viewership and the numbers just because uh, of the Monday start. But it it was a Daytona 500 with the classic elements, as I say, like the big one, the one that makes you <gasps> gasp in the final 10 laps. And it was up at the front of the pack. And so a couple of cars were able to escape. And then the cars at the very back, because they had time, their spotters had time to guide them through the fray and the mess and the disaster. But it's really a chain reaction. And if you're in the middle, there's not a whole lot you can do. And there's nowhere you can go. Not to mention there's smoke and there's fire. And it's like Armageddon or something. Smoke and fire. And it's really hard to see. It's low visibility. So with the spotters that are up on top of the track, it's hard for them to see through it as well. They're trying to give a bird's eye view to their drivers. Stay to the right. Stay to the left. Go low. Go high. Go straight through. But if they can't see through the fog and fog through the smoke and the fire and just the elements and cars flying everywhere it's really hard for them to guide anybody else to guide their drivers so yeah you just kind of hold your breath but if it's really fascinating and I don't mean this to be morbid of course but after the fact when they've got the car cams or the dash cams for the individual drivers and you can see their perspective as they're trying to get through the wreck or as they're hanging on for dear life and their car is spinning six times into the grass tearing up the infield <laughs> and and so they go back and especially when it's a red flag and they did stop the race for quite a while to clean up the track um and so they're they go back and they've given you the bird's eye perspective from like seven eight different drivers and my husband even said to me now he's not a big nascar fan um i'm trying to i'm trying to get to him but he said to me that's scary stuff I mean, you have no idea what's going to happen you're going that fast uh you're it, he said it's pretty stressful hanging on for dear life someone in front of you wrecks and you're i mean you're almost kind of holding your breath you have to check up right away you've got to hit the brakes but if you can't see anything, you can't see anything, and you just hope that you emerge unscathed the other side. But this was a wreck with eight laps to go that took out 18 cars and actually featured 23 cars. And that's more than half the field uh, of a typical NASCAR race. So when it comes to Daytona, this is just one of the elements that people always expect because they're so tight and they're so intense and they're so impatient. But, you know, with eight laps to go, you think, oh, I got to make a move. I got to make a move. And and they're trying and it just it turns into a major disaster. So if you haven't seen it, well, the video is out there, of course. But William Byron ends up winning and they had to do a photo finish because there was a 
there were two drivers uh, that were fighting at the end, and there was a wreck behind them as well. Um, it was behind them, so they were able to race back to the checkered flag, but they actually had to go to photo finish to to be sure that Byron crossed the finish line first. So that's how the NASCAR season begins, and Bob Pockrass will join us at the top of the hour, and we'll not just talk to him about Daytona and Byron, but also about some of the major storylines for this upcoming season. So I do love some NASCAR. I hate that it, in the fall, when it goes into its late stages of the regular season and then the playoffs that it's impacted by football and that it's competing against the NFL because it's, it's hard then to be able to pay attention to both really don't have the time to talk about it on Sundays when we're covering NFL season. Uh, But I've been a longtime fan and I always make a point to watch Daytona um, hoping that NASCAR can find its way and, and gain some new momentum with a new generation of drivers who learned playing video games. (laughs) It's crazy. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Shohei lifts a high fly ball. It's carrying deep out in his center, and that ball is out of here. It lands in the Angels' bullpen. Otani has just hit home run number 42 of the season. That one goes 437, and right out of the blocks in the first inning tonight, it's showtime. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Well, that was then, and this is now. Terry Smith on Angels Radio when Shohei Otani was healthy, or at least was navigating some of the nagging injuries. Um, And since then, has had another surgery on his UCL and is not able to pitch in the 2024 season, but as a new member of the Dodgers, is getting back into the cage and is even facing live pitching. So the reconstructive elbow surgery, a reported success, and now he's creating that same buzz with the Dodgers. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Dave Roberts, well, he's got a new superstar in the fold. I mean, this is Dave Roberts, who's used to dealing with a lot of buzz around a lot of superstars. Uh, but Otani on the Dodgers, well, it's different. For Shohei, he's got it down in the sense of the day-to-day. Um, I think that each day uh, he has a plan, um, and, and part of that is the rehab process. Um, part of it as today, he's going to take live batting practice, so to prepare himself for that. Um, I, I don't know 
haven't had the conversation as far as like the expectations. I, I think it's just more of kind of each day preparing himself and you know, as we start playing games and at some point in time he'll get into games and just to kind of get better each day. He had the best of both worlds, or he had the best of times and the worst of times, I guess, is a good way to say it. Uh, there's even video out there of him fouling a ball off his foot and howling in pain. So even the great Shohei Otani can feel pain. This is, it's going to be a spring training in which they're kind of bringing him along slowly. It's not going to be a spring training in which he plays in all of their games as the run-up to South Korea. Uh, so he's not going to play in their opener on Thursday. But you will see him in the lineup as they prepare for what is their early season opener. Uh, and they're in Korea for a two-game series against the Padres on March 20th and 21st. And so that's the actual official start to the Major League Baseball season, though the rest of the teams don't begin until March 28th. You can find me on Twitter, Radio. Uh, also on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. A couple minutes and we'll pivot, pivot, for those of you who are Friends fans. We'll pivot back to NASCAR with Bob Pockrass, who's still at the track and will join us following what was a very long day at, at Daytona. Not just the 500, but an Xfinity race after because of the rain over the weekend. I actually spoke to a friend of mine who lives in Orlando and works in the NASCAR world or the racing world. And she was saying that uh, she had a 10K in Daytona on Saturday morning um, and was able to run it with a lot of drizzle, not heavy rain, uh, but, but she got finished just in time because the heavens opened up after that. Um, there's just talk of rain in places where, not that Florida doesn't get rain, but rain in places where they're not used to it or where it's become uh, more and more of a tradition. So Daytona, for years and years and years, never had to deal with postponements or shorter races because of weather, but it's becoming a lot more common in the last decade. Well, I don't know if you guys heard the story, but Death Valley, which is supposed to be the driest place in the United States, actually has had enough rain, this is in Southern California, has actually had enough rain that they're offering kayak rides or kayaking in a lake in Death Valley. And it's a very rare phenomenon uh, where it doesn't, again, doesn't happen very often, but there's a lake that has formed because of all of the rain they've had there. And so for now, uh, you can kayak in what is called Badwater Basin. Badwater Basin. It's usually dry, but with all the storms, you can actually kayak. Uh, I can only imagine how much they're charging you for this once-in-a-lifetime experience where you can kayak in Death Valley. Uh, but, yeah, it's an ancient lake, apparently, and I've heard it on the news multiple times now in the last 24 hours. So if you live in Southern California, get it while you can. If you're willing to spend, I don't know how much money, uh, 282 feet below sea level. Badwater Basin. Just the name is cool. We need a Badwater Basin in in pro sports. Who's the Badwater Basin in pro sports? That's cool. I would love to do that, but I don't think I'd want to pay $300 to go kayaking in Badwater Basin. (laughs) All right, it's After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Our phone number, 855-212-4227. That's 855-212-4CBS. Maybe it's just me, or maybe it's true of Angels fans feeling a loss, a void now. And I actually feel this, 
I don't want to say it's pity for Mike Trout because that would be too strong of a word, but I feel this letdown for him because with Otani, there was extra electricity and buzz. I don't know if he's quote-unquote old news or if the novelty's worn off with Mike Trout for years, of course. He's been an MVP candidate, um, and he's also been one that people would point to as the face of baseball. Now, there isn't really one face of baseball unless you want to point to Otani now after the last couple years, but Mike Trout has multiple MVP awards, even though his team has not made the playoffs in a decade. With Otani, there was this excitement, this reason to pay attention. It was the one-two punch of Trout and Otani or Otani and Trout in the lineup. But now it's just back to Trout again. And Anthony Rendon, who couldn't care less whether or not he plays every game of the entire season. And people keep asking Mike whether or not he's going to ask for a trade out of this Angels organization that seemingly has lost its best chance at getting back to the postseason. For me personally, I'm focused on the season. I'm not worried about what happens or where I'm Am I, do I want to get traded? I'm not going to get traded. I'm not worrying about any of that. I'm going out there and play my game. I got I to gotta put a full season together. Let's see what happens. 13 years with the Angels. That's Mike Trout. Can you believe it's been that long? It seems like, I don't want to say yesterday, but it seems like it's just been a few years. But 13 years, they've made the playoffs one time. That's it. Just one time. And that goes back to 2014 where they were swept unceremoniously by the Kansas City Royals. So in Mike Trout's tenure in Major League Baseball, now 13 years, and a contract that pays him nearly a half billion dollars. Remember, it was a record at the time. But it pays him buku bucks. He's had all of three playoff games and no playoff wins. Again, not all on him. The Angels have got to put together a team around him. Otani was supposed to be part of that, and they did get closer. The issue lately has been pitching, not as much hitting. And Otani won a couple MVPs while he was with the Angels. So they think about that. They've had MVP candidates every year going back now a decade. And still... Because of poor free agent signings, money poured into the wrong investments, just the, the, the moves that resulted in injuries instead of innings. I mean, that's kind of the case with some of their pitchers. It's the opposite of the Midas touch. And yet Mike Trout, he believes that for now, to ask for a trade, it'd almost be like a cop-out. And the easy way out is just ask for a trade. Um, you know, there might be a time, maybe, uh, I've, I really haven't thought about this, but, uh, you know, when I signed that contract, I, I'm loyal, you know, I want to win the championship here. And, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's mainly, I think the, the, the overall picture of winning a championship or getting to the playoffs here is bigger satisfaction, bailing out and just taking the easy way out. So <laughs> I think that's, that's why been my mindset, you know, maybe, down the road if something's changed, but that's been my mindset ever since the trade speculations, you know, came up. So that's where I'm at. He is rare in pro sports. And as much as we as fans are loyal to a fault, loyalty is rare among the athletes in the free agent period, the, the age of free agency, but it's also rare among teams. 
every now and then you'll get a guy like, say, a Tom Brady, of course, the ownership, the, the Kraft family would have done anything for Tom Brady. You'll get guys like that. But is Mike Trout misplacing this loyalty? I admire it so much, and yet I wonder if it's an exercise in futility. I want him to win. We need Mike Trout in the playoffs. And yet he's chosen to, for now, keep himself connected to the Angels because he so desperately wants to win there. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 